Sick. Whoa. Hey. How's it going? All right. I'm not preaching tonight, so don't get too comfortable. I know. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It doesn't even matter. Okay, so I feel really loud. Okay, I'm going to talk like this. Um, something really exciting that we do in student ministry, uh, we partner with a local uh, ministry called Rising Tide. Um, they're on the screen for you. Um, and so basically, Rising Tide, uh, we go to the Portside Community Center, which is by, well, there used to be a movie theater there, but now there's condominiums. Um, near Freddy's, I guess, is the most relevant landmarker now, um, right off of Beach Boulevard. Um, and it's a community that is lower income. Uh, and so uh, this organization, Rising Tide, they have created a um, basically like mini church service for the kids in that community uh, where they can come and have relationships with one another. They can hear about the love of Jesus and they kind of get the same experience that they would get going to like beach kids or to another church on Sunday mornings, uh, but maybe they don't have the opportunity to do that because their parents can't drive them there or whatever, um, but they just want to like love that community. And so what we do as a student ministry is we told that organization, we will take the first Saturday of every month, the first Saturday of every month, minus, like give or take some of the holiday ones, we do some extra stuff. Um, but we want to invite students and our life group leaders and on the first Saturday of every month, we want to help you run Rising Tide. And so basically what we do is we show up and we do like one morning of kids camp. Like like basically a lot of you have done kids camp here. Um, we go and we do activities with them. Uh, we mostly play soccer and basketball uh, with a lot of them. And then we eat together. They hear a Bible story. Um, and it's a great opportunity if you're looking for a way to uh, give back to uh, your own community or like stay on mission uh, for Jesus, like do the things that we do in Albany or Jamaica, but all year round or in your own backyard, because let's be real, it's kind of crazy that you pay as much money as you do to go stay in Albany, Georgia for a week. Like, doesn't make sense. Albany has nothing to offer you, but you live here. And in Jamaica, it's great. It's a wonderful experience, but like beyond DMing, you don't get to have a continued relationship with a lot of those kids after you graduate. And so this is an opportunity where if you want to keep doing the things that you love doing on mission trips or with Kids Camp, uh, that you can partner with us and do. So uh, October 7th is our first kind of official uh, time where we're meeting with Rising Tide. Um, and we would love to have you there. We meet from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And usually we go to like Chick-fil-A afterwards or somewhere to get food afterwards with just our team, and we just, like, hang out and stuff. So it's a great time. If you're able, we'd love to have you. If you're not available for this one, um, check out Rising Tide the first Saturday of every month. We will always be there, uh, and we'll keep reminding you about it. But I just wanted to be intentional to tell you about what it was and invite you to it uh, because it truthfully is, it's, it's really a great space um, where God is doing a lot of cool stuff, uh, and you guys can be a part of that too. Um, and before we get into... Tonight's sermon, this is separate from the rising tide thing. Uh, in the past week, there was just some, like, weirdness going on in the Fletcher community. Um, the middle school had a code yellow, and the high school had legit a gun during a fight during the football game on Friday. And um, thankfully, no one was hurt. Everyone is okay. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people that are confused or struggling with that situation. And like, it's kind of easy right now on the other side to like make light of those things because no one was hurt. Uh, but that does not change the fact that for some people, it was not just an easy light experience. And for some people, that was the first time that they had been that close to a situation like that or, or just anything along those lines. Or it brought up trauma from previous times where something like that had happened. And so I want you guys to know that as a church and as a student ministry, um, we are here for you, especially with things like this. And so if specifically with this recent week uh, in the Fletcher community, um, if either of those events confused you, frightened you, just shook you a little bit, and you just want prayer or you want somebody to talk to, like, please come find any of us on staff, find any of your life group leaders. Like, we want you guys to know that you don't have to do this alone. Um, and that even though, and like, thankfully, it was not like a tragedy that happened this week. Like, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to not be okay. And like, we want to be praying with you. And maybe you just feel burdened for your schools and you feel like things are out of control. Like, we want to talk with you about that. We want to pray with you about that. So just to let you know, like, we are here for you in those things. And so um, that's kind of all I have. Um, and like I said, I'm not preaching. But who is preaching is David. And so David's going to come on up and share God's word. Amen. I love you too, whoever said that. Um, so uh, also Sarah in the back yelling out that I am, um, I am her dad. Uh, we were at the Rise all weekend. So those of you that have been in beach students or beach kids, uh, the Rise happens every year. Sometimes it's a retreat far away. Uh, sometimes it's here. And so this year it was here. Super fun, super cool. Jacob and Danny and Sarah and I got to play with kids all weekend. It was a lot of fun. And Andy was here. Who else was? Tyler was here all weekend. Yeah. What's that? Oh, no. You got nervous when I pointed to you on stage? Yeah. Okay. Well, you can come up and tell us about it if you were. No? Okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and it was so much fun. It was such a good time. But Sarah has convinced all of the kids that uh, in beach, beach kids that I am actually her father, and they, they think that that is true, so, um, it is not, okay, it is not, so, um, tonight, tonight we are continuing our same God series, and we're talking tonight about God is good, all the time, <laughs> God is good, I love that. Thank you. Okay, so anyway, uh, last week we talked about God's faithfulness, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I was uh, working on this message this week, faithfulness and goodness have a lot of similarities, so it was kind of tough, but I think I figured out uh, exactly what the Lord wanted me to show to you tonight, and uh, we're going to go from there. Sound good? Great. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our students. Thank you so much for um, their willingness to be here on a Sunday night. Uh, thank you for the Jags anyway. We pray that uh, they continue to improve. 
just like each and every one of us every single day. Amen. Amen. Um, if, if I've not met you yet, if you're new, I'm the family pastor here, so I'd love to meet you. Stop by and say hi afterwards, and, uh, and let's, let's talk. But how many of you in this crowd have ever followed someone? Followed. Have you ever followed someone? You, okay, so wait, there are some questions that are coming up and some confusion. How many of you have Instagram? Okay, how many followers do you have and how many people are you following? And do you follow someone? The answer is yes, and all of you in this room should have had your hand raised and not be confused. You follow someone. Now, what to, to what extent you follow someone? That can be different, but you all in some way, shape, form, or fashion have followed people in your life. You've followed someone, right? That could be people leading you astray. That could be people leading you in the right direction. That could be people leading you nowhere. But yet, you followed someone. Um, When I was younger, I lived in a neighborhood where there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so uh, I followed the crowd that I grew up with, and they were not the best example of how to live a righteous life. Um, we, uh, I learned how to play poker when I was probably like eight, uh, and uh, we would actually gamble with real money. Our moms were not happy when they found out about that. Um, there was one day, there was one day when um, we were very hungry, and we were very broke because we were very young, and they had this brilliant idea. I stand by the fact this was a good idea, but it is stealing, so don't do this. Um, they had this brilliant idea of knowing when, and it's in the summer, so people were on vacation. They knew which people were out of town, and they would order pizzas to their house. And the delivery guy would try to deliver the pizzas, but there was nobody home. And so instead of taking the pizzas back and just, like, wasting them, their policy was you try to sell them and try to get some of the money, but they had to sell them at a steep discount. So they would point to neighbors that they knew were out of town, order pizzas to their house, and then we'd buy them for super cheap afterwards. Again, I followed. Was it the right thing to do? No. Did I eat pizza? Yes. Uh, So again, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But I was still following, right? So doing what people are asking us to do. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to follow someone worth following. We're going to talk about what it means to follow uh, Jesus and the Lord. And we're going to do so through an analogy that's carved out for you in both the Old and the New Testament. That is going to fall sometime tonight, right? Um, But in the Old and the New Testament, so first we're going to turn, if you want to turn in your Bibles, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, uh, the book of Psalms, if you've never read them, are beautiful the book's it's a book of poetry. Um, there's various types of psalms. So you may have a poet that's super moody. I don't know, anybody like poetry in here? Anybody still read poetry? Great. So some of you may like poetry that's super moody, and everybody's like depressed and sad, and that's okay, because it's a way to express yourself. Some people might like more upbeat poetry that's inspirational, things like that. And the psalms have all of that. So you'll find psalms of lament. You'll find psalms of praise. You'll find various psalms written by different psalmists. Um, But David, David, that David, the one we hear about all the time, David wrote this psalm, and it is a super, super famous psalm. So if it sounds familiar, that is why. But we are reading Psalm 23, and it starts like this. 
The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, a couple points here before we go any further. Again, we're talking metaphorical language, figurative language. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Herd sheep. It leads people. It leads people, not people. It leads sheep to the right places. It herds sheep, right? So in this moment, David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one I follow. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, there's something really beautiful there, and I want you to think about this for just a second. Those things that David is talking about with regards to the Lord, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Those are the things that bring sheep life. You see that? There's water. There's green pastures. Those are life-giving things. These are all things that bring life. And when David is talking about following the Lord and the Lord being his shepherd, he's saying, when I follow the Lord, I'm going to follow the thing that brings me life, the person that brings me life. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, in this moment, it tells you not only what he does, he guides me in the right paths, but why he does those things for his name's sake. If you're already on the path, if you're already on the path, you're there. If he's got you for his name's sake, what does he want you to do? Lead and guide others as well. You see that? Thanks. Lead others as well. For his name's sake. How did you get to the point where you were? How did you get to the place where you were? For his name's sake, the Lord put me on this path of righteousness. Why? How did you get here? The Lord did it. Not me, not for your glory, but for you glorifying the Lord for his name's sake. So here David is speaking out of his own experiences about what it means to be a shepherd. And he's writing from a place of what he understands and what a lot of people in that time would have understood. They understand what it means to be a shepherd. They understand how important it is for sheep to have someone to follow. They understand how important it is for, someone, for sheep to have someone to protect them and be there for them and comfort them. And guide them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, in this moment, in this psalm that we're reading from David, again, he's moved by the goodness of the Lord and how good God is. He's my shepherd, and he gives me life. He speaks life into me. Um, we're going to turn to the book of John real quick, too. New Testament, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're going to begin in verse 7. And this is a teaching. Um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders at the time. Religious leaders that, you know, kind of questioned some of the things that Jesus said. Yet religious leaders nonetheless. And they were Jewish. And Jesus is talking to them about what it means to um, follow and to be a good shepherd and why he's there. He's explaining the sanctity of who he is. Verse 7 begins like this. Therefore, Jesus said, I'm in chapter 10, verse 7 of John. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, David told you earlier, he follows the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going to follow him. In this moment, Jesus is not saying he's the shepherd. What's he saying? I am the, the gate.
the gate. What does the gate do in a pen? So anybody uh, have sheep at their house? Yeah. Anybody have dogs? All right. So if you have a, if you have a yard at your house and you have a fence around your yard, you have a gate. What does the gate do? It what? It opens the fence, right? So um, when you open the fence, what can happen? Your dog can go in and out, right? Now, some of you would make the argument that dogs can dig, so they don't have to use the gate always, and that is true. Um, so, but the one real way that you get in and out of a fence, in and out of that enclosure, is through the gate. Jesus, in this moment, is saying, I am the one way. I am the one way. I am the gate. I am the way in which you come in and out into the kingdom of God. All who have come before me, verse 8, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And he repeats himself because the Pharisees aren't listening to him. And this is, by the way, the second time he's kind of told this sort of story. But I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Here is the first space where Jesus is talking about who he is. The gate. The gate is the only way in and out. The gate, Jesus. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, in this moment, when Jesus is saying these things, you can think back to David for just a minute. And what does David tell us? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life. For his sheep. Now, what he's saying in this moment, where he's saying the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, he's alluding to, he's foreshadowing the thing that Jesus is going to do at the end of his life, which is go to the cross for you and for me, because the good shepherd sacrifices himself. He lays down his life for his sheep. Those of you that have been here for a moment, we did um, in the in the spring, we did a series on songs, and. The message I got to speak was on champion, and I talked about David and how David battled Goliath, and he cut his head off, and he kind of walked around with it afterwards, and he kind of, like, held it up, and it was kind of gnarly. In that moment, when David is convincing the king, King Saul, to let him go into battle, he says, I'm not afraid. Why was David not afraid? Because he was a shepherd, and he says, I fought wolves and bears and whatever else. I'm not afraid of this man, this Pharisee. The good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. What else in this world that you follow is willing to lay down its life for you? What else in this world do you follow that's willing to lay down its life for you? Verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
in this moment, hired hand, think of it like, uh, you ever watch mob movies or something? There's like a mercenary. They have no allegiance to this country or this country, so they'll just kill whoever. They'll pay them the most money. That's a hired hand. The hired hand is that person. The hired hand that you called in six, you got the first person that would fill your shift. That person may not be the most reliable person. And the only reason why they're able to fill your shift is because they're not on the schedule any of the other times of the week because their boss doesn't trust them to show up to work. They're the hired hand that you're bringing in to cover you just so there's a living, breathing body there so you don't get in trouble. But that's the hired hand. And he tells us the hired hand is not the shepherd and he does not own the sheep. They do not have ownership. They do not care. They're just there because they're getting a paycheck. We know that God is a shepherd. So what in your life is the hired hand? Is it the person you're dating? Is it guilt and shame? Is it perceptions on social media? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it partying? What's the hired hand in your life? What's the hired hand in your life? Um, he continues. So when we see the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The wolf here is the enemy. So if we're dragging out this metaphor and we're talking about who all these pieces are, the wolf here is, is Satan. He's the enemy. And when the wolf, when Satan sees a chink in your armor, when Satan sees that the hired hand isn't the shepherd and that you're following the thing that you're not supposed to be following, but instead you're following the hired hand, that is when the wolf will come to you. Verse 13, the man runs away because he has a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Do you remember those people I was telling you about in the beginning of the message? Um, one of the other things that we did was uh, I lived in a town, it was pretty small, but there was a big field next to where we lived, and it was the county bus yard. And uh, what that means is, like, at the end of the day, school buses, they would come, they would fill up, they would park their buses there, and so then the bus drivers would drive in the mornings, they would grab their buses, they would go pick up kids and all that stuff. And they backed in right up next to the fence, next to the woods by my house. And so we would play in the woods all the time and do whatever. It was very small. It was in the city. But I owned a BB gun, and uh, one day, the people that I followed, they thought it would be a good idea for us to shoot out all the bus windows. Um, they were psychos. Let's be clear. They were psychos. And so uh, I didn't do it. I just want to profess my innocence here. And they were about five or six years older than me. And so they took my BB gun, and they did it with my BB gun. And I live next door. And guess what happened? The police came, and they said, do you own a BB gun? And my dad said, David. And I came, and there was a cop at my door, and he said, do you own a BB gun? And I said, I own a BB gun. He goes, the bus windows were shot out next door by a BB gun. Do you know anything about that? I said, in that moment, I will tell you this. I kid you not. I realized that I was more afraid of my neighbors than I was the police, and I said, I own a BB gun. And that was the only thing I would do. It was almost like I was pleading the fifth as like a 12-year-old. 12, a 12 but I said, I own, I own a BB gun. Yes. I didn't do it. I didn't want to take the fall. But I also didn't want to get killed for those people, uh, for doing it for them. But what happened is the hired hands were the ones I was following. You see that? And when trouble comes, what happens to the hired hands? They leave you behind. So I was left with a police officer at my door. Because I followed the hired hands and not the shepherd. Does that make sense? Verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Um, we, you and I, are the other sheep. Jesus here, he's talking to these Jewish religious leaders, and he's saying, I've come for all. I've not just come for our people. Side note. I must bring them all so they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We must listen to the voice of God, or we will become lost sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you're following Jesus and you're following the Holy Spirit and you're letting him speak into your life, you know his voice. You've heard his voice. Maybe you're not. Maybe this is weird. Maybe you want to hear his voice. Let's talk. Let's see what that's like. You know my voice. Verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Again, here we see an allusion to what's going to happen. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to show that he is the person he said he was, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he is not just man, but yet he is God incarnate. And he's come to save us, to shepherd us, to guide us, and to lead us. But what's wild is that in this moment we realize that God's goodness, if we're reading this from a goodness standpoint, that God is good, that he's a good shepherd, he's a good shepherd, You'll notice that God's goodness comes from the provider. It's in the providing. And what I mean by that is God gives you the things that you need. He doesn't always give you the things that you want. It doesn't work if you're like, hey, God, I would love a Lamborghini, and then you wake up the next morning, there's a Lamborghini in your driveway. It could happen. Miracles still happen. I firmly believe in that. But that's not what God is here for. God is not a magic genie where you rub your Bible and dreams come true. Very real, I will, I will be very real with you for a moment. Uh, Jacob talked a little bit about some things that happened this past week. Um, and I know that's scary. And I know that's hard. And I know that sometimes you have moments in your life where um, you're confused about things like that. And the world feels like a very cruel place. And you may you live in a place and you may live in a school um, that is tough. You may live in a school or go to a school that have fights all the time. You may go to a school that um, has some really rough crowds and really tough people and all of that. And this might be, and life groups might be sort of a place where you can relax and you can let yourself rest and you can be confident in the Lord. God gives you what you need. Go back to uh, Psalm 23 for a moment. Psalm 23. Um, by the way, after Jesus talks about this, and he talks about um, I'm going to go to lay on my life and all that stuff, he does something really cool at the end of John. And I'm not going to make you go read it, but go read it for yourself. The end of John, the last chapter in John, Jesus comes back to life 
He's resurrected, and he goes and he visits his disciples. And in that moment, he talks to Peter. And Peter's the one that denies Jesus three times. He says, no, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then at that moment, he realizes he's let the Lord down. That's Peter. At the end of John, Jesus reinstates Peter after his resurrection, before he ascends into heaven. And the language that he uses is, feed my sheep, take care of my lamb. In that moment, he's making that connection. It's not enough for us to be shepherded. It's not enough for us to be the sheep. We're called to do something bigger and better. We're called to now go be the shepherd for others. We're called to go reach people for Jesus. We're called to go and show people the, the way. We're called to go guide people. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. That's what he's calling Peter to do. But in these moments, like we were just talking about, um, where they're kind of scary and they're kind of tough, verse 4 through 6 of Psalm 23 says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Some of you this past week walked through a pretty dark valley that you were kind of afraid of, that uh, you kind of struggled with. It may not have had anything to do with what happened at Fletcher. It may have been some completely different valley that you're walking through. I'll tell you. Let's just, just ask. How many of you in a moment when you felt scared this week or frustrated or upset or confused, be honest with me, how many in the moment when you felt that way, you turned to this? For your God, for your source, for your wisdom, for your discernment. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord speaks through his word. He is a good shepherd, but you have to open your ears to him. We must listen to the voice of God and we become lost sheep. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. When you're in those moments where you're scared, or life seems difficult, or you're frustrated, turn to his word. Stop. I'm going to say this. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Hear me. Stop following hired hands. Stop following those things in your life that don't lead you to green pastures and besides still waters. Go to the source of life. Follow the good shepherd and turn back to him. God is good, but you have to seek him to see that. Um, here's what I want you to do. This is a little different than maybe some of the times, some of the things we do. How many of you have heard Psalm 23 before? Like that's something you've heard before. Great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it over and over again, and I want you to hide it in your heart. So that when you have a moment like Fletcher on Friday night, and you don't have a Bible with you, don't have your phone, the first thing you think is, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you're with me. And you feel a peace wash over you because you've hidden the word of God into your heart. So memorize it. That's your homework from United this week. Memorize Psalm 23. If you've already memorized it, memorize a different one. But memorize Psalm 23 and know that when you are struggling with who to follow, 
that it tells you that your Lord is your shepherd. And because that, you lack nothing. He is a good shepherd. Good shepherd. Um, those of you that maybe aren't following Jesus yet, if you're kind of confused by all of this, if you want to talk about it, we're here for you. Be glad to answer any questions you have. Um, but I would love for you to just pick up a Bible and read Psalm 23 a few times. Explore that. Meditate on that. Think about what those words mean to you. And see if you feel like you may need to follow something else. We love you guys. We're here for you. And anytime something like that happens, please um, seek us. Okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, life. Thank you for being the God that is a good shepherd. Thank you for meeting us where we are and giving us what we need, even if it's not always what we want. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you are good. Help us to follow you all the days of our life so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.